Join us September 30th through October 2nd for the 26th annual Zero Mental Health Symposium. The topic of this year's symposium couldn't be more timely as we look at healing from historical trauma. This is the first year we are hosting the event virtually, and the best part is the cost to attend is reduced, and full conference registration is only $180. Also, there are discounts available to students and groups. Learn more about the symposium and register today at zerosymposium.org. You know, I talk about suicide all the time, and so, you know, we're not talking about death. We're talking about survival and hope and recovery. This doesn't have to be a bleak, depressing conversation. We're talking about saving lives. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, our guest is Shelby R. Rowe. Shelby is a proud citizen of the Chickasaw Nation, an inspirational speaker, nationally recognized suicide prevention expert, mother of three sons, and a self-taught beat artist. Shelby's also a suicide attempt survivor with over 20 years of experience in public health. She's dedicated herself every day to fighting the prejudice and discrimination that affects those affected by suicide. And to that end, Shelby is the Suicide Prevention Program Manager for the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. And she previously served as the Manager of Education and Prevention Services for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. In 2016, Shelby was honored as the Chickasaw Nation Dynamic Woman of the Year. Today, we're going to talk to Shelby about her Zero Mental Health Symposium session titled Save the Indian, Save the Man. And you can register for the symposium at zerosymposium.org. And now I'm going to read a bit from that session description. Shelby will challenge the audience to once and for all abandon the policy of kill the Indian, save the man. This presentation will intertwine music, art, and humor to address the serious issues that have increased risk of suicide among American Indians. Shelby will also talk about the indigenous renaissance that is currently taking place in the U.S. and discuss how culture could be a key to reducing suicide. Real quick, it's National Suicide Prevention Awareness Week, so if you or someone you know may be struggling with suicidal thoughts, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That is 1-800-273-8255. You can do that any time of day or night, or you can chat online. And the Crisis Text Line provides free 24-7 confidential support via text message to people in crisis when they dial 741. 741. That's 741 741. And one last thing if you want to read a truly powerful story about Shelby, click on the link in the show notes. It is from the USA Today. And the title of that story is She Worked in Suicide Prevention, Then One Day She Had to Save Herself. Okay, let's get the conversation started. The mental health download starts now. Shelby, thank you so much for being on the Mental Health Download. Matt, thanks so much for having me. Okay, my first question is, in the fight against suicide, what have been some of the greatest accomplishments by advocates like you? So some of the great things, I think that the general public isn't going to see those accomplishments for a few more years. But for me and other advocates like myself is having a voice at the table for some pretty large events. You know, this past year at the American Association for Suicidology, I was able to give a keynote. So just having a seat at the table, having a voice, because for years, 
the field of mental health and suicide prevention really didn't make space. Like we were considered too fragile, you know, to have on stage or to have a meaningful input. But, you know, when you compare that to other health conditions, it seems absurd. You know, you wouldn't think about having a conference of, you know, how do we help people heal from breast cancer and not once talk to anyone who's ever had breast cancer to have them tell you about their experience. So just making space for us at the table at every level of suicide prevention has been a huge accomplishment so that you have people with lived experience contributing to policies, protocols, how the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline gets answered. There are people with lived experience with a voice in all of those decisions now. And I think that's a big accomplishment. So tell us why you called your Zero Mental Health Symposium session, Save the Indian, Save the Man. Well, there is an old saying in America that started during the boarding school era um, in the 1800s. And it was government policy to kill the man, save the Indian. Kind of like I think in modern day times, the closest comparison would be conversion therapy for individuals who are gay. That if we can change everything about who you are, if we can get rid of your language, take you from your family, strip you of your culture, your clothing, your religion, that you know, if we can fully assimilate you to Western society, we will save the man, so to speak. And in that stripping us of all of our cultural protective factors, it's, it's increased risk for suicide for Native Americans. Okay, so you say that genocide, colonization, and systemic oppression have increased risk of suicide among American Indians. Can you explain that a bit more in detail for us? So there's a theory in suicidality, Dr. Thomas Joyner's interpersonal theory of suicidality, and it has three main components. So one is that for individuals where the majority of lethal and near lethal suicide attempts take place is the intersection of, you know, the first factor being, you know, disconnectedness of feeling that you don't belong. The second factor being a sense of burdensomeness that everyone would be better off without you and that your existence is a burden on others. And then you combine that with acquired capacity to kill, the desensitization to death, the fearlessness or things. And that creates, you know, that the intersection of those three factors are where most, most deaths take place. When we look at what's been happening in native communities it doesn't take long in the media, anything, any movie. Think of how many movies you've seen where the Indians are the good guys. Typically in our society, you know, we are told, you know, I lived for a while on the East Coast and you would meet people like, like, oh, I didn't know there were any more Native Americans left alive. Like, I thought you guys were all dead. And so we live in a society that sends the message overtly, subconsciously, that everything would be better off without us. And it, every time treaty rights come up, like it's a burden to have to, you know, abide by the treaties that the U.S. government set with tribes. I was like, well, why do we have to observe these anymore? You know, why do you guys still exist as sovereign nations with their own governments? You know, when are you going to go away? That is the message that we get and of course, that's going to increase risk for suicide. 
So Shelby, how are you going to include music, art, and humor in the session? And why is that so important to do in a session like this? So one, one of the coping skills for many people, but definitely in Native communities, is humor and music. It's helped us survive some pretty dark times. And honestly, when I was putting together my presentation, I would get to points and just be paralyzed because the information is so bleak. And I'd be like, well, I need to turn on some music. And I was like, you know, that's going to be part of my presentation. You know, I was at a session a few years ago at the Chickasaw Nation Dynamic Women's Conference, and they were interviewing some young women who were Chickasaw because we learn from women of all ages. And one of our young ladies said, you know, the difference between a tragic story and an inspiring one is how you tell it. And so that was like, yeah, like the information that we have to share that I need to cover in my presentation is very heavy. But the real story, like I need people to stay with me through the oppression, through the genocide, to get to essentially the happy ending of we are still here. Let's focus on the extraordinary survival skills of these people, of these 573 tribes that in the face of all of the oppression. And the music also is a really good tool for putting it, putting a timestamp on some of these events because we like to pretend that genocide stopped a long time ago. It's like in my presentation, you know, we've got songs from the 1970s that we all know by heart. During that time, there was forced sterilization of Native women. For some communities, say up to 25% of the Native women were sterilized. You know, that wasn't 100 years ago. That was in the 70s. And so using music, one, as a timestamp, and two, to lighten it up because... There is an inspiring story in the survival in the face of oppression and genocide. And so I want people, it does get heavy. And I really want my audience to stay with me with the story so we can get to the good part. Like we've got to get through the painful part. I try to make it as pleasant as possible. You know, I talk about suicide all the time. And so, you know, we're not talking about death. We're talking about survival and hope and recovery this doesn't have to be a bleak, depressing conversation. We're talking about saving lives and that can be fun. hundred percent. And then can you give me an example of, and I know that you're a bead artist, a brilliant bead artist. Thank you. Will you be showing any of that during your session? You know, I will not. I will encourage people. My putting together my presentation was kind of being very prayerful. And it's, it's a time for me to use my platform in the field of suicide prevention to share a message for many of our relatives and family members. So I made a conscious effort not to self-promote um, in the presentation. I share artwork of many other contemporary Native artists, Oklahoma artists. I have artwork in there from Bunky Echohawk. I have artwork in my presentation from Stephen Paul Judd. John Harrington, the first Native American astronaut. Give a shout out to Jared Tate, a Chickasaw classical composer. But I don't share my own art because I don't see the presentation. It's not about me. And I'm talking about our people. But if people want to see my artwork, they can follow me on Instagram 
um, they can go to my website. So I do, ha- I do have a link in my presentation to my website on my closing slide. But I want to talk about what's happening with our people and not, not my art. But I'm sure there will be other presentations that my art will show up. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic, so, so tell us how people can find you on Instagram. Tell us what your website is. Yeah, they can find me on Instagram at Beadart by Shelby. Um, I'll put together in one word, or they can find me online at shelbyrrow.com. So let's talk about the indigenous renaissance that is currently taking place in the U.S. and discuss how that can be a key to reducing suicide. Yeah, so back in the 70s, there were policies that were passed that in 1978, the American Religious Freedoms Act, you know, many of us think, oh, well, America's always have freedom of religion. No, for Native people, our religions were banned until 1978. And so when you think, you know, that's only been like 30 years of practicing culture, 30 to 40 years, and that is starting to show up. We're having for many tribes, resurgence in language programs. You know, many of our languages were almost dead. Um, For the Chickasaw Nation, when they did a survey, I guess about a decade ago, there's 65,000 tribal members at the time. There were only 50 native speakers. We now have like over 5,000 tribal members enrolled in a Rosetta Stone course that our tribe developed so that anyone in the world can access language lessons. And that's happening in many other tribes. Also, the gathering of nations that came together at Standing Rock created, you know, the intermingling of different artists and passionate advocates that's showing up in art all over the country. And so with language resurgence, cultural resurgence, the federal government finally acknowledged that culture is prevention. And so now tribes can get federal funding from the CDC and from SAMHSA to do a drum making class, to teach traditional dancing, to have language sessions, because when you allow people, you know, in Western society, think about how it would impact your family if you stripped every bit of Judeo-Christian culture that would have a deep impact. That is how we explain the world around us. It is how we, you know, do births, deaths, weddings, how we explain traumatic events. And when you strip a culture, when you strip a people of all of that, it has really detrimental effects. And so now those are coming back. And our young people, we have a new generation of young people that are being raised in their culture. And that's exciting because that really hasn't even been legal since before removal to Oklahoma. So we have children's being raised more traditional today than we've had since the 1820s. And that's exciting. So Shelby, words have power. So can you share with us some of your tips for talking about suicide and people who are Native American? Okay, so we will just make the theme of both of these about word choice, <laughs> you know, the way that we talk about with word choice. So I would say, you know, if we can just make a conscious effort to talk about suicide the way we talk about other life-threatening health events. So like you would never say, oh, that person had a successful heart attack. They were dead when they hit the ground. 
Like never call a suicide attempt a success, you know, where a death happened. That's not a success. And never call someone who survived a life-threatening health event. That's not a failure. So if we can remove it was a failed attempt or a successful attempt from our vocabulary, because that's not how we talk about other health events. And anyone who survives should not be called a failure. That's a triumph of their survival instinct. So if I could get people just to drop those two words, that would be great. It's a small ask. We can all do that. And that will make a world of difference because there are many, many suicide loss survivors, suicide attempt survivors around you every day. And they don't feel comfortable talking about their experience because of the word choices that many of us use because we make it uncomfortable to identify with that population. So that's a small ask on that. Uh, what about, explain why we say die by suicide instead of committed suicide or killed themselves or... And you know, like died by suicide is my preference, but even saying that they killed themselves is still much more accurate than commit. We commit crimes, we commit sins. We don't commit health conditions. And research shows over and over for many people who die by suicide, they have a, a pre-existing health condition, be it traumatic brain injury, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, or they're going through an extraordinarily traumatic life situation. We don't commit those things. They are life events. We may succumb. We may die. You know, it's a fatal outcome, but we didn't commit that. And for many people at that point, that level of pain is so high, it is not a cognitive decision at that point. It is a, a desperate response to escape unbearable pain. Yeah. Okay. And then let's talk about word choice when we talk about people who are citizens of tribes or help me. <laughs> what are some of those things, the common things that people say? Like, I believe that in your session description, you say American Indian. Some people say Native American. Would you know, just kind of help us with our language. Right. And I think either one of those work. And I would just follow the lead of of the native people that you're around. As a public health professional, I use American Indian because that is a CDC classification for when I look up data. But when I talk, I don't talk about Native American. You know, I talk about natives, Native American, indigenous people. So yeah, using that language is appropriate. And each person, you know, there are 573 federally recognized tribes so I certainly can't speak for how everyone wants to be referred to. So yeah, for me personally, I refer to like natives, indigenous people. You'll see us write it as Indian, e, you know, the letter N-D-N. But for others, I would say either Native American or sometimes just call them, you know, Kassau citizen or Shawnee, Pawnee. Just refer to them by their tribe or let them help guide you of, you know, whatever they want to be called, that is the right thing to call them. Beautiful. Okay. So the final thing that we do, we have a tradition here where we just, we have our guests close us out by sharing one last bit of wisdom. So I, Shelby, thank you so much for being a part of the mental health download today. It's such an honor. And I'm so glad that you're going to be speaking at the Zero Symposium this year. So yeah, just share that last bit of wisdom and we'll be done. 
Sure. So I would say for everyone to remember, you know, my presentation, you know, how I said culture is prevention. My culture is being Native American. But connecting with your culture can also be a powerful protective factor. So we as Natives, we talk a lot about honoring our ancestors, but honoring your ancestors is not just a Native thing. It is healing, rewarding, fulfilling, contributing to your purpose to honor your ancestors and connect to your culture, no matter what your culture is. It could help save your life.